Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging. Hey everyone, and welcome to All Together, the Family Science Insights Podcast, produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week, we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. I'm your host, Dina Sargent. Now, let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back. Um, I'm your host, Dina, and today I am talking about a really important topic of family estrangement estrangement, um, with our guest, Dr. Joshua Coleman. How are you going today? I'm doing well, thank you. That's really good to hear. Um, now, can I just get you to tell, talk to uh, about what you do and um, how important this topic is? Sure. Well, I'm a psychologist in the San Francisco Bay Area, and I specialize in parental estrangement, um, which is mostly helping parents whose adult children uh, are either out of contact with them or they're in very rare contact with them. And I've written two books on the topic. I offer regular webinars on the topic. I also have done research on it. So it's really become the main thing that I'm focused on these days. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. So um, what do you think is the big definition of family estrangement? How would you define it? Yeah, you know, people define it in different ways. Um, I tend to think of it as a very serious um, break in a relationship. So it's common that parents in my practice get letters of what they call no contact, which is where their adult child writes them and says, I don't want to be in contact with you. Don't contact me. I'll contact you if I want to be in contact or um, something like that. And some parents are in very limited contact. Maybe they get a text once or twice a year or they're in some contact, but it's all very negative. So I think of all of those dynamics as examples of estrangement. Okay. Before we get deeper into that topic, I would love to just do a quick rapid fire question of the first things oh. that sort of come to your mind okay. with these different keywords. <laughs> so the first one is your favorite book. Oh dear. Um, probably Cormac McCarthy's The Crossing. Okay. Okay. Um, how about your favorite movie at the moment? Gosh. Um, Remains of the Day is probably one of my favorites of all time. Okay. Uh, how about your favorite, your current favorite app on your phone? Oh, my Kindle. I read everything on my Kindle. So. <laughs> I'm not proud of it. I just do it. Okay. No, it's easy. Trust me. I get it. It's so easy. It's so easy. <laughs> <laughs> How about your favorite artist? Um, visual or performance? Um, either one. Either one that sort of comes to your mind. Oh, okay. Um, I like um, ZZ Ward, who's a blues rock singer in the US. I don't know if you know her out there, but she's probably one of my favorites. I don't think so, but I think I'll, that's definitely something I'll look up afterwards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so going on to quick practice like experiments of practice or habits that you've sort of gotten into what mm -hmm. is a practice that you do to improve um communication 
I think empathy is really the the central um, practice of communication because the more empathic you are with somebody, the more they're going to open up to you and feel like you're a trustworthy person. So mm-hmm. I think that's the single most important thing. Okay. So what are some challenges that you occur that occur when you do this practice? The practice of empathy? Yes. Well, some people make it harder to empathize with than others. So, <laughs> <laughs> so people who are very accusational or blaming or critical or negative, they may, they may cause me or others to need to dig deeper in order to access my feelings of empathy. Yeah. How do you think this practice impacts your um, your perception of estrangement, for example, and how do you use it to combat that perspective? Well, it's really the central key when I'm helping a parent is to help them to learn how to empathize with their adult child's complaints, why they're estranged, um, to find the kernel of truth in the complaints. Um, so empathy is really, um, there's, there's no reconciliation that's going to happen without the parent being able to empathize with why the child feels the need to cut off contact. Okay. Um, so what are, going forward towards the topic of that we're talking about today, what are some characteristics of parent or adult child estrangement? Well, um, the way I like to think about it is that there are many pathways to an estrangement. And parents often don't talk about their estrangements because they feel so ashamed. They feel so socially isolated. They worry that if they tell people that they're estranged, that people can assume that they did something really terrible to cause their child to cut off contact with them. And sometimes that's right. And sometimes, you know, some parents have, you know, abused their child physically, sexually. They've neglected them. They've traumatized them. So it's not hard to understand why the adult child has decided that, um, the parent isn't really safe to be close to or have a relationship with. But that's only one pathway. There are other pathways. While mental illness in the parent could be a cause, certainly mental illness in the adult child could be a cause. A common cause is when the adult child gets married and the new husband or wife doesn't like the parents and says, choose them or me. Or after a divorce, where one of the parents poisons the child against the other parent, either young children or adult children that can happen with. And Kind of more paradoxically or ironically, some adult children cut off contact because they don't know any other way to feel separate from the parent than to reject the parent because in part, parenting has become much more intensive and um, anxious and worried and guilt-ridden. And for some adult children, particularly when they're trying to set off on their own, they just don't want that level of parental environment. They don't know any other way to feel separate. Mm-hmm. Um. How do you think estrangement affects families in general as a whole when two family members are sort of in a no talking or no communication phase in the family? Yeah. Well, and if you look at the surveys of adult children, probably the majority say that they feel better as a result. Um, But if you look at the surveys of parents in my own research, they feel miserable with it. They feel hurt, rejected, scared, worried that they're never going to see their child again or their grandchildren. Many of these were very involved. Grandparents, they feel guilt, sorrow, um, anger. So for the parent, there's really no upside. For the adult child, there can be upside of an estrangement. It can be 
feeling like they're kind of righting the wrongs or equalizing the power imbalance between the parent and the and the adult child. It can feel attached to some feeling of growth or identity and claiming one's own life. Whereas for the parent, there's really no upside. So that's why it's more typical that it's the parent who's reaching out to me than the adult child. And it's also why parents have to work very hard if they want to have a reconciliation. They can't just demand it the way they might have in other earlier generations. Mm-hmm. Um, with that, there's definitely a huge change in the way um, estrangement has been perceived from earlier on to now from the past to present. Um, mm-hmm. In 1997, there was a study that involved around 18 to 90-year-olds that show 7% of adult children are estranged from their mothers, whereas 27% are estranged from their fathers. Mm. Mainly the cause of is divorce or separation and remarriage, for example. How do you, what are the reasons or causes for most estrangements now compared to then? Well, I think divorce is still one of the primary causes. In my survey that I did of 1,600 estranged parents, 70% had been divorced from a a parent. So divorce can increase the risk of estrangement in four different ways. One is it can cause the child of any age to blame one parent for breaking up the family. One parent can poison the child against the other parent. It can bring in new family members, step-parents, step-siblings, etc., to compete with emotional and material resources. Finally, highly individualistic cultures like ours or that you have in the um, in Australia, it can cause the adult child to feel like the parents are more just individuals with their own strengths and weaknesses if they're divorced rather than a family unit that they're part of. But I think the other, uh, I argue that estrangement's on the rise. So it's not just divorce, it's more just rising rates of individualism um, that that people are much more likely to see family purely from the perspective of does this relationship work for me or doesn't you know it's not it's much less a matter of fulfilling a family role than it is does this relationship uh, in line with my own ideals for my own identity and happiness and psychological growth and mental health or not if it's not then i'm going to get rid of this person um and that's considered you know in some ways uh the correct thing to do i don't think it's always the best way to manage a family but it's certainly there's a lot of social support for that there's also in addition to rising rates of individualism particularly in the US, the political differences um, also are a very common source of estrangement, that political differences have become a very powerful wedge factor in terms of how people see, well, who's on my side and who's not. And so all of these identity issues become much more profound in terms of defining who to be close to and who not to be close to. Um, certainly the internet is also a promulgator of, uh, it can create these kind of um extended kin networks of people who are allying with you about your narcissistic mother or your, you know, disloyal child or whatever. And those, those can also serve a very divisive function in society. Mm -hmm. So definitely social media does play a huge part in, um, in estrangement and sort of also, I guess, in the way that you're saying the help of mental, mental health and, Sometimes it's also better to sort of leave that family member if they're not sort of serving um, who you are as an individual as well. Well, right. Yeah. You know, I think that the research shows that 
good family relations are great for mental and physical health and bad family relations are bad for physical and mental health. The complicating thing though, is that I think parents are blamed too much for uh, the way people turn out. Parents you know, they're important, but also important in genetics, social class, who your siblings were, random good luck, random bad luck. So there's a lot that takes, that goes into becoming an adult beyond parents. Whereas, but we still, particularly in Western societies, live in these ideas that, you know, that it all comes down to parents. And if you have problems, it must be because of bad parenting. Well, maybe. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> definitely, that's definitely something that's very true, especially the way that it's talked about that parent people um, end up blaming their parents for a lot of the characteristics that they've that they've sort of assumed throughout the childhood for example and it is something that is really hard to change as well it is there's a great quote by the Israeli sociologist Eva Illouz she says today our lives are plotted backwards what's a dysfunctional family it's a family where your needs aren't met how do you know your needs weren't met by looking at your present condition so what I like about that, the idea is that if you come into adulthood and you have depression or anxiety or problems with intimacy or career success, well, you just have to look back into your past and figure out where the hidden traumas were and it'll, you know, and it'll, everything will come into, to, will be revealed. Well, that's actually not the case. Sometimes it is, but quite often it, it has nothing to do with your family. And so people in my field and psychology are actually doing an enormous disservice to make it seem like everything can be figured out by looking back on your childhood. Mm -hmm. So following up on that, apart from um, divorce and sort of blaming your parents on things, what are some other misconceptions about estrangement between parents and adult children? Well, one of the things I think a lot of um, – Parents don't realize is the role of guilt and worry in the adult child about the parent. Um, that it, for adult children who feel too responsible for their parents' happiness, that can be an enormous burden. So some adult children cut off contact. I've seen this a lot with daughters, particularly daughters of single mothers, because they feel so responsible for the mother's happiness and well-being um, that they don't know any other way to feel separate from the mother and to feel sort of insulated from her sorrows and her burdens than to, to cut her off. And I think that's not, people don't really realize that. Um, and similarly, the role of guilt that many parents feel like, you know, well, my kid owes me this. And if I just make them feel guilty about how much they're hurting me and ruining my life, then I'll be able to, they'll be persuaded to be back in contact with me. But what that misunderstands is that making your child feel guilty is actually going to just make them feel burdened by you. And the more that your child feels burdened by you, the less they're going to want to be close to you. So I think the more people can kind of understand how important those two factors are, the better off they're going to be. Yeah. So is it more common for a child to estrange their parents than a parent to estrange their child? Very much so. Yeah. The vast majority uh, of estrangements, it's the adult child um, estranging the parent. And, it, and it, it has to do with the reasons that I was saying earlier for the adult child, it can be tied to a bunch of narratives around health and independence. You know, it can be a way of pushing back against the parent's problematic or abusive behavior. It can make them feel more adult, 
like to push back against a parent or reject them. They can wait to feel like they're writing the wrongs of the past. Uh, they can have enormous support from their own therapists or community. Uh, so there's a lot of upside from the adult child's perspective, whereas there's no upside from the parent's perspective. Mm-hmm. So with with that, this comes in a really good, um, I'll definitely ask more some of the other audience questions before, but this sort of fits in with um, the, what we're talking about. It's basically um, from a granddaughter's perspective and the uncle and grandfather are estranged since um, the grandfather and grandmother were divorced. So from a young age, the uncle definitely estranged the grandfather. But with him um, recently being coming out and finding that he's on practically on his deathbed, as she puts it, how is there a way that could sort of um, mend that estrangement? Or is it something that would be a little bit harder to do from a granddaughter and a niece's perspective? Well, is the person who's wondering it the person who's estranged or the person um, who's doing the estranging? She's the family member of two of the two people that are estranged. Oh, so she's wondering if she can facilitate a reconciliation? Yeah. I mean, it typically doesn't happen. I mean, you know, people often will say to me, well, if I should I get my non-estranged sibling to, you know, try to um, advocate for me with the estranged sibling, or should I get the revered grandmother to advocate for me or try to heal this? Um, it typically, it doesn't really seem to work. The only thing that seems to work is that uh, the person um, who's been estranged really tries to reach out, take responsibility, make amends, show empathy, have courage, um, because they have to reach across this great divide. The person who's estranged feels like it's working for them. So they have to be convinced that if they do open the door and reconcile, that it's going to go well. Mm -hmm. So they're definitely, so with that, what kind of challenges will a family in general face when there are two estranged um, family members? Yeah, well, it can really fracture a family. It can fracture the family if one family member is estranged, because let's say that family member is an adult child who has grandchildren, then the grandchildren may be kept away not only from the grandparents, but also the aunts and the uncles or other family members. Sometimes when an adult child cuts off the parents, they also cut off everybody, even related to the parents, like grandparents and cousins, and they go completely underground. So in estrangement, um, on the other hand, sometimes estrangements can cause these big divisions in family where people sort of line up on one side with the estranged family member and line up on the other side with the uh, estranging family member. Um, And so it can create enormous divisions in families and really complicate things. Okay. So would you say that it's better when it comes to creating a healthy uh, family dynamic, for example, when it comes to a parent and adult children, is it better sometimes to have that separation, like to not live in the same household as <laughs> the parents? Well, it's a fair question. I, I, I am, have seen a number of estrangements happen as a result of COVID where adult children moved in back in with their parents and everybody got kind of too much time together. And I think social media, not social media, but just how easy it is for people to be in contact with each other, as positive as that is in many ways. I think the problem is that um, it doesn't really allow enough separation 
with family members. So, you know, in the good old days, you, you weren't just a text away from your parent or your adult child. Um, you know, you actually had to pay for a phone call or write them a letter, and then it would take a week for the letter to arrive. So there are many more ways for people to feel separate. I think these days, you know, when it works, it works really well to be able to be in quick contact with people that you love and care about. But if you don't want to have that much contact with them, then it doesn't work so well. Then it's really hard to kind of hide from them. So sometimes when people estrange themselves, they just want to feel like they have their own psychological space. And some people just need much more space than others. So they just don't want to have as much time with their family members. But then the family member who can just be a text away feels very rejected and hurt and devalued. And it's like, well, just return my text. It's so easy. All you have to do is reply. But the person who doesn't want to return it feels completely crowded and overwhelmed. So it's another way that technology is really, you know, it's been a, a problem for family relationships. Mm-hmm. So definitely sometimes the living in the household can still be a little bit easier than living, <laughs> living far away then. Yeah. Well, sometimes, well, yeah, there's that because you can just see the person. Um, yeah. For some people living, you know, more people are living in multi-generational households, at least in the U.S. I don't know about Australia. Is it, is it true there as well? Do you know? Oh, yeah. It happens a lot. Yeah. It does. Yeah. Yeah. So here's a big trend. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's a good news. It's kind of a good news, bad news about the way that uh, parents have become much more involved in the past half century, past three decades in particular. Parents have become much more conscientious, much more psychological, you know, much more involved, much more caring. And so on the positive, parents and adult children are probably closer than they were in, in earlier generations. But on the downside, there's not sometimes enough separation between them. They can feel adult children or children can feel too overwhelmed by the parents too sort of surveilled by them. And so that's sort of the downside of it all. Mm -hmm. And how would you recognize, like for a parent, how would you recognize that your child, that you're sort of overcrowding a child before it gets to the point of estrangement? Well, not every adult child is, you know, we'll say it, but um, you should take your children's complaints seriously because uh, some sometimes parents will say, well, I don't know why my adult child cut them off. And if I talk to the adult child, they'll tell me, well, I gave them plenty of warning. They just don't, they just didn't believe me or they didn't like what they were being told. So I think it's often a matter of really taking seriously what your adult children's complaints are and not, not assuming that it's um, you know, they can be talked out of it in some way. Okay. Um, with that, I think this is a really good one for the questions, for another question. Um, the parent is sort of, the girl is, I'll say that she's in around her mid twenties. She says she's around 25 and she's getting to the point where she's can afford to move out. But with the fact that she's afraid to even bring that up with her family members just to the point because it's a very big culture to sort of have the female living at home for a very long time Mm. or until they're ready to be married and things like that. How would you bring that up in a way that it's better for her mentally to be further away without saying that? (laughs) (laughs) It's Yeah, no, it's a big dilemma, particularly in some cultures where there there are those presumptions that you know, why you can't, you're not supposed to move away until you're, until you're married. Um, it's a tough one because the cultural um, different, not differences, but cultures are very big um, um, value, um, 
you know, really structures the way people think that they're supposed to act and feel. So the parents probably will feel very confused by it and worried and anxious. She'll have a better time if she doesn't blame them. Um, if she doesn't criticize them or say, well, it's because you guys are so mean or cruel or critical or negative. Um, it should be better off finding a way to explain it that doesn't really indict them um, and see if there's a way to do it in a way that's allied with their values and so that they're going to want to help her rather than not, and they want to stop her. So she'd want to, it would be good for her to empathize with their values and why they feel the way that they do and, you know, which, what um, she's gained by their values or the culture or those kinds of things. And um, so that, I think that's the main, the main approach. Mm-hmm. Okay. So with that being said, what are some, practices that you would recommend for a parent and child who recently got in small communication, be able to tolerate each other, I think we'd say. And what are some things that they can sort of do or activities they can sort of do to sort of keep that communication going so it doesn't lead back into how it was before? Well, I think the main thing is to explore whether the issues that brought them into conflict have really been dealt with. Otherwise, they probably will come back into conflict. So um, so I think it's useful for there to be a kind of a due diligence. Um, it may mean that the person who was being estranged, which is more typically the parent, would, would say, if, uh, if there are things that I'm doing or do going forward that make you feel like you need to have more distance from me or that I'm I'm kind of stepping on your toes again in the ways that I have before. I, I want you to let me know. Maybe I haven't done a good job in telling you that it's healthy to let me know what your complaints are about me or things that you want me to change. See, this gets back to the point earlier about um, that, particularly for younger generations, relationships are much more predicated on the principle of does this relationship, is it in line with my mental health and my ideals for my identity and happiness? Because uh, if it's not, then see ya. And so so parents really need to be oriented to that perspective and be speaking that that language that I want to be respectful of your boundaries. I want this to be a relationship that feels promoting of your happiness and your well-being. So if I'm not doing things that are bothering you, I want you to let me know, that kind of thing. Okay. Um, following, following on to that, how big of a role does distance play in like living in two different countries, two different areas? How big of a role does that play in estrangement? I mean, I think for some people it's an advantage to – have some distance. I mean, I was close to my parents, but when I moved from the Midwest to San Francisco, I was really glad to have that distance, not because they were bad parents or difficult. I was just really glad for there to be, you know, several thousand miles of distance between us. So often distance um, can really be helpful um, because I more commonly see that um, there being sort of too much contact being the problem. Mm -hmm. I can definitely... Relate to that. I mean, I I live at home, so I'm definitely twenty four seven communication okay. with her. Right. So, and it does get like I agree. I think it does get to a there is a good advantage to being at home. Like you do. Like I have a good relationship with my parents, especially mm. during COVID. It's sort of I was oh, lucky. Good. I was lucky. Yeah. I I got For definitely sure. got lucky. Yeah, but, no, I'm um, glad. I'm always happy to hear hear that. Yeah, but I think it does get to a point where sometimes it's like it's nice to be able to get get away like have mm-hmm. those have those weekends away 
And right. yeah. What's like any other relationship, like, you know, a romantic relationship, maybe it's great to live together, but it's also nice when your partner goes away for the weekend or a week and, you yeah. know, you can have an <laughs> opportunity to miss them and feel separate. So I think it's true in family relationships as well. Yeah. And so what age do you think normally, um, normally our estrangement occurs? Is it usually when they're right, when they're young, like 18, or is it usually later on in life that it becomes too much? I mean, most of the estrangements that I see happen in the early to mid 20s. And I think that's in part uh, because the 20s can be a period of more, um, you know, they're more challenging, particularly for younger generations. It's a harder world. It's more uncertain. There's more anxiety and depression, at least in the U.S. Uh, um, with younger younger generation. So there's a, the challenges are bigger. There's the consolidation of identity. Um, so typically by you know, the time people get into their late twenties, early thirties, they're, you know, more who they are and what their values are. And they don't, the role of the parent isn't nearly as important in their identity formation. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now that we've gone to our last five minutes of the um of the podcast i would love to give you an open mic to any chance that you're able to talk about anything that you are passionate about not having to relate to the topic at all it could be talking about what you do or your new book or anything that you want to tell the audience mm. um well gee i'm about to do a study with a south asian and an east asian um uh, researchers about first-generation estranged families, uh, probably in the U.S., although if any of your listeners are estranged and of South Asian or East Asian lineage, um, let, reach out to me because we want to do, because it's, um, you know, we want to look at the cultural differences, sort of which, which you were touching on earlier with the caller, because for some parents, particularly first-generation parents who move to the U.S. and sometimes uh, leave situations of, of real great difficulty and they feel like they're giving their children this enormous prize by coming to the U.S. and giving them all these opportunities. And then when the children estrange themselves, the parents feel betrayed in the ways that all parents feel. But I think they also feel betrayed because there's the cultural layer as well, you know, the abandonment of filial obligation or extended family relations that are really richer in some cultures than they are in a lot of the Western cultures. So I'm really, I'm, so I'm very interested in that. Um, I'm thinking a lot about that these days. I'm, yeah, I'm thinking more about what we were talking about earlier. I'm, these are all estrangement topics. Sorry, you said more broadly. <laughs> go for it. No, go for it. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, no, I'm just thinking a lot about the social, the, the, the way that texting and the phone just makes people have too much of each other and that that a lot of estrangements I don't think would have happened in the past when people could just sort of more org organically grow into who they are and be their own person without feeling so hovered by parents. And I think that, you know, the way that parents have become much more anxious is for, for many children just too intrusive. I, I've had more than one one adult estranged daughter say to me, I just need to be estranged so I can get my mother's voice out of my head. So <laughs> to me, that just illustrates that that sometimes it's just there's too much parenting in the child's mind. They don't know any other way to feel separate and to cut the parent off. So, No, I definitely I definitely relate to that. And I know a lot of people that <laughs> I'm friends with because we're all um, of different ethnicities as well. So that definitely plays a huge mm. role as to how um. the relationships are. Yeah. And yeah, it's a lot harder to sort of um, 
I've got a lot of Western friends who are very um, who are like, oh yeah, I can just go out whenever I want. It's like midnight and they're outside. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Like I'll get yeah, calls from my mom being like, yeah, it's like twelve o'clock. Why aren't you home yet? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, culture is a really powerful um, um, structure in terms of our identity and our feelings and what's permissible and what's not. And so a lot of um, what what I'm seeing with uh, first generation um, uh, parents who are who are primarily from India and China, um, their you know their kids go to school, um, go to college, often very good colleges, um, and the parents and then they come back and say, well, you emotionally abused me or you neglected me, and they sort of learn this language from these American kids who <laughs> all have been in therapy. And the parents are like, what are you talking about emotional <laughs> abuse or harm or neglect? They just can't relate to it at all because it's such a different kind of a mindset. Um, and it's tragic because these are often very dedicated, loving parents. They just raised their kids in the ways that they were raised and thought felt like it was a reasonable way to, to raise them. So, um, yeah, I definitely so a, think I definitely think not l- lack of communication definitely plays a role in it as yeah, well. For sure. And yeah, it's it's a very interesting topic. I'd love to honestly dive into it as well. I'm I'm so jealous that you're studying this, that you're looking further <laughs> into this now. <laughs> yeah, it's a really important topic. I don't think it's been very. I don't know very much. I don't know much about it. Much research that's being done on it, um, at least in terms of estrangement. So I'm really eager to get into it and. So you can, yeah, you could definitely write a whole thesis about this and for sure and more. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right. Well, I would I love to um, definitely talk to you about this probably after this podcast or something. Have any communication about it for sure? Sure, but, happy to. Yeah, I'd love to um, thank you for joining me and having me having um, coming on today and just yeah, I- being a part of this. Yeah, my pleasure. It was a lot of fun talking to you. I was happy to do it again. Yeah, definitely. We'll do a part two. Okay. <laughs> Further along. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> awesome. Um, so I'd love to thank all of you for listening today. And I'd love to also encourage you to check out Joshua's um, studies and check out, check out his websites and probably read his read his books that are that are out and just available and dig into this deeper because I know it's something that probably all of us have faced, whether it's it's done been done to you or you've done it to someone in your family. So yeah, I'd love to encourage everyone to sort of check it out further. And I'd love to, yeah, would you like to keep going? Oh, no, just if you people want to reach me, I don't know if you post this on your, your site, but it's uh, my website's www.drjoshuacoleman.com. It's drjoshuacoleman.com. So if you're interested in the topic, there's a lot there to, to look over. So Definitely. So yeah, that, definitely go check it out. That would, yeah. be, that would be really encouraging for everyone. Um, yeah, thank you everyone for listening. And if you want to check out our socials, it'll be linked below or on the side, depending on where you're watching it. And thank everyone for listening. All right. Talk to you soon, everyone. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to All Together, the Family Science Insights podcast, produced by Family Science Labs, a division of LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. More episodes are available from 10 life management perspectives and can be found by searching LMSL on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcasting apps available on your smartphone. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, share, and subscribe to our channel so that other people can find it and we can continue to provide quality content. More of our work can be found on our website 
at fa.lmsl.net where you can join our movement. I'm Dina Sargent and thanks for tuning in.